0: welcome to this episode of the structural engineering channel a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives in this episode we have a special treat for all the structural engineers and professionals looking to enhance your career journey rachel and i will provide you with our top three lessons we each have learned throughout our career journey in hopes to inspire and guide you in your own path to success in the world of structural engineering. Whether you're at the beginning of your career, in the midst of it, or simply curious about the inner workings of the structural engineering field, this episode is designed to equip you with practical knowledge and inspire you to reach new heights in your professional endeavors. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle.
1: And I am your co-host, Rachel Holland. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week.
0: So, Rachel, what's your first lesson in your career that you can share with us?
1: I think the first thing I wanted to kind of talk about in terms of like a lesson that I've learned throughout the way is just the significance of networking. And I feel like it's a thing that people just sort of throw around like as a a term, a thing to do. But I think in reality, it really it can impact your career. The bigger network you have, the more connected to structural engineering you feel and that helps us to like grow in our career, right? Because I mean, there is a lot of like discussions about like burnout and different things that can maybe lead people away from our career. But I think that when you have like more of a network, you're more connected, you have people like in and outside of your company that you can talk to about like projects and things that are going on, you know, with work. I think it helps you to feel, to build confidence, to like keep on in that field and keep going down that career path, which is important because we need experienced uh, structural engineers in our field. Another thing is that the network that you build for yourself, it can open up more career opportunities for you, right? So like whether it's job offers or people, you know, calling you up and saying like, hey, there's this position that's going to be open. Like, would you be interested in that? Because they work with you. They know you. They know your work ethic, things like that. You've built that connection with them that like it can play a part in sort of the path that your career takes. So I think networking is really important. I think like getting involved in we always talk about Seahawk on this and and see SEA and different like, you know, committees, things like that. It really like broadens your network. It branches out who you know and and you can get you can learn from all of these different people, right? So that's been a big lesson for me throughout career. There's been times where I've thought it wasn't that important, and then other times where I see how it's played a positive impact on me. So I think it's important. I think networking both inside and outside of your company within our field is like a really, really significant It's really something you should do
0: like you mentioned it's digging the well before you need it because if you don't network with anybody and something bad happens or you need to look for a different position if you're networking outside your company they could help you out but even within your company when you need help and you don't know anybody it's hard to ask for help but when you have that first point of contact it's a lot easier to ask for help essentially building your your network of allies that can help you out uh, in your career and at your current workplace. I had a question about what was your, I guess your mindset, was that easy for you? Were you, so I know for me, and I think a good amount of engineers too, uh, they mostly get into engineering for doing calcs. When you tell them, go network, go talk to people. It's kind of like, I didn't come in to do that. Like, what was your mindset uh, initially, or did you have to change it? Or how did you go about improving it?
1: you know, engineers, we have a reputation for being a little bit introverted. Maybe not like networking isn't like our first instinct. I don't know that that's necessarily fair because there's obviously going to be engineers that are a little bit more introverted, but I feel like the vast majority of them are super personable and friendly. And, you know, maybe they do better in a one-on-one setting versus a big group, which is totally okay. I can be introverted and I can be extroverted I'm kind of like I don't know somewhere in the middle but like I didn't have to change my mindset necessarily because I do like talking with people but I just know like sometimes when you get bogged down with just everything that's going on that can kind of take a back seat if you will right you don't focus on it but it's like a a mindset change so much as just a like a prioritization right like you know, to attend Seahawk functions, like you really have to like put in the time. It's after work a lot of times and like things like that where it's just it can be hard. So bumping it up on the prioritization list, you know, and again, it's going to ebb and flow depending upon what's happening in life and at work and all the different things. But you want to keep it high enough on the priority list throughout your career that when you really need to like branch out and and have that network, it's there right? You don't want to just start doing it when you really need it. You kind of need to have it going the whole time. So give me a job. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's bigger than that, too. It's not just like somebody give me a job. It's like, you know, maybe your company gets a new project and it's a material that you guys haven't worked on before. And it's like, you know, I've done this at Simpson and I've reached out to colleagues of mine. It's like, hey, I'm trying to create a connector for this Steph, can you like, tell me more, tell me more. Like I I remember doing this with um, Eric McDonald for a mass timber connector that I was working on and he works on that and he's not at Simpson, but it's like, I could call him and be like, hey, can you tell me more about this material, how you design it, what designers are looking for? And he taught me so much, you know? So it's great to have those people, again, internally and externally that you can just pick up the phone and call for different things throughout your career, not necessarily just a job.
0: That's a skill in itself, too, in terms of, yeah, something new comes up. It's a new material or a new challenge at work. You've never dealt with it before. You could either go, oh, I've never run into this. I don't know how to do it. Or you could utilize the network that you did and say, okay, how can I figure out more about this? Who can I ask to learn more about it so we can get this problem resolved? So,
1: What about you, Matt? What would you say is your like uh, first lesson that you've had or you've learned in your career?
0: The first one is specifically for engineers. I think during your first couple of years, and I think the industry does this with your exams and stuff, is is to get really good technically. You know, we, we all take the PE and whatnot, and I think that's why it's good, because it forces us to be good technically, because I think first, that's who we are as engineers in terms of, I mean, we're problem solvers and, and we'll engineer things. So being good at your job is the foundation for it. It's not everything for sure. I think if we're purely technical, it's not great, especially later on, later in your career, you need those other skills. But as a base, as a foundation, just going in uh, technically is really important just because not only are you good at your job and a problem solver, you can use your technical skills to come up with more solutions uh, for your clients. For me, I found it really helpful uh, taking the P and SE. I found it, easier to help out and mentor the younger engineers coming through and also managing engineers. If you don't know what the engineers are going through technically, then it's hard to help them out as a manager as well. So yeah, if you're just completely have no idea what yeah the engineers are going through, it's going to be tough to help them out. And all you can do is essentially scream at them to get it done. But it's like, no, they have to go through X, Y, Z steps how can we help them out? What if we get someone to help out with this, or I can help out with this? I think it makes you a better manager as well when you're managing engineers. And I think at the end of it too, it builds your confidence. Once you know what you're doing in terms of what your specialty is or the things that you're working on, confidence will come. Uh, In order to build confidence, I think you need competence. So you get good. uh, It's scary at first, but then now you're confident that, oh, I know how to do this. Or even if you don't know how to do it, oh, I've learned wood, I can learn steel. Or because I've learned wood, I can just transfer those same skills that I've learned to those. And that way you get a good foundation for your career and then you can do all sorts of stuff with that.
1: That's great information or a great lesson learned because I feel like one thing that I've always been really appreciative of as like a younger engineer was The people that were, you know, had come before me that were really good at something based on just the way that I learn, right? Like I really like learning from other people versus like a textbook or sitting down and just like doing the calcs or whatever. I really appreciate that, right? Because like I feel like in order for me to get better at something, I always sort of like really appreciate somebody else explaining it to me until like I get it good enough that I can then explain it to somebody else, right? it's at the base for everything that we do, right? We have to have that technical competence. And without that, like, not really an engineer.
0: That's what makes us engineers. And then we can evolve from there into all sorts of different career paths and different skill sets. It's the foundation for us. So get it down. And then you can do whatever you want with your career because it'll help you out.
1: You also mentioned just like once you're managing other people that, you know, not everybody wants to manage people. Like that's not always the end goal. If you want to grow in your career and maybe you don't want to be a people manager, like having that technical expertise, even if you just like fine tune it into a certain area, that still allows you to grow in your career, you know, in a technical sense, right? Like you can advance, you can become like the expert in this, you can become the go-to person in your firm and like all the different things without necessarily having to be a people manager. So I think that's like always another thing to keep in mind that with that technical expertise, it can lead you down a path that still allows you to grow your career.
0: Yeah. Being a specialist uh, for sure has its advantages. And if you're the best technically at it, that's a viable career strategy too, as, as we've talked to a lot of people about that. So You can get really good at one thing, and then there's a career path for that, too.
1: Definitely. So, Matt, on that same topic, do you have any, like, resources or strategies that you've found effective for, like, ongoing technical training?
0: In terms of knowing what you mentioned, what's your learning style, right? So, for me, my learning style was taking classes. I like sitting in on classes. I'd pay more attention and... It forces me to go to the classes. So I like that, but I also like lots of examples. So for me, when I was learning things, for example, when I was studying for the PE, I really liked taking classes instead of self-studying. Like yourself, if there's someone that knows it, I'd rather have that. You know, I think that's the best thing that you could do, but that's not always available. Getting help and being resourceful. It's not just, okay, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? So for me, it's I had no problem buying books in terms of if I came up with a new material that I needed to figure out how to design with, I would attend seminars. I would, yeah, get books. And for me, books with example problems were the best. So if the books had example problems, for sure, I would get it. Practical ones and a lot of self-learning. It's it's not just about being smart. It's about being resourceful because you can get a like what your first point was, if you have the resources, whether it's books, your company, or the people that you have, you can learn anything, especially now. So just being resourceful and using everything that you have in the world and your network, that's a great way to get technical because not everyone's willing to, to put in that effort. A lot of them will just be like, I guess I'm not good at it
1: or I don't know how to do it. That's part of like, you know, just the world in general. We all want instant gratification, right? So if you have to kind of like work a little bit harder, study a little harder, put in the time, it takes the right type of person to be able to do that.
0: And what was your second lesson for us?
1: The second lesson that I've kind of learned, again, it's it's not like terribly different than networking, but slightly. I think the impact that mentoring and just having like, a mentor and also like mentoring other engineers has been pretty impactful in my career. I know I've really appreciated the people that have mentored me in the past, um, both like inside and outside of Simpson. And I really enjoy doing that for newer, younger engineers as well. So in terms of my like professional journey and how that's had an impact, I mean, I can think of one thing in particular where I had somebody call me up and tell me like, "Hey, are you going to go for that that role that was open? It was a position that was open at Simpson, and I hadn't even considered it. Like, it wasn't even on my radar, and it was really flattering and also just like a An eye opener that somebody else thought I was capable of that because I read the list of like requirements and if I don't have all of them, I think like okay, I'm not qualified for that, right? But that's not the way we should be thinking because every time you go for a new role, it's to stretch yourself, right? To learn more, to like get better. That would be like one example where I was kind of like, wow, okay, like that person really like knows how I work. They know me, you know, and kind of guiding me through my career. And they called me and said, hey, are you going for that? And it was just kind of an eye opener. Like I didn't think I was qualified and and yet they did. So little things like that, you know, they can be confidence boosters. And then, you know, it's just as important, if not more important, to turn around and be that type of a person in somebody else's life. Right. So I definitely have participated in you know, up here in Dublin High School has an engineering academy. I've been a mentor for them a couple of times, um, a couple of different years, I've been able to participate in that. And it's been really rewarding. And it's been nice to get paired up with those students and then like see them go through their educational careers in college. And then now like they're moving on is the professional careers. And that's been really nice. And then also just younger engineers that have come up through like Seoc and Simpson. It's been good i enjoy doing that and i I want to encourage younger people to stick with it and stay in the career and you know be excited about it so i think it's important for us
0: yeah i did my first uh, ace mentorship for a high school uh i think it was this week it was really cool to see some of the, the light bulbs go off right like they've never seen this and then that then they're asking questions we were actually doing like a structural engineering activity where they're doing buildings out of you know spaghetti and marshmallows And it was cool. They were asking questions. They were curious. And even the things that they were coming up with to do their structures, it was like, that's cool. I have it. There are different ways that they're thinking. And it's engineering. It's civil engineering. It's structural engineering. And I guess planting that seed early on that it's even... Because I haven't even heard of civil engineering when I was in high school. So knowing and actually seeing professionals that do it, I think that can change like the trajectory of the students in terms of their career path. And even what you mentioned with your mentor too, them believing in you for that position. I reflect back on mine too. And it was one of my professors and I was applying to, I wanted to do grad school, right? For structural engineering, but I was kind of just gonna go to the ones that I knew I would get a hundred percent chance of like acceptance, right? It was like, it's gonna be this grad school and uh, I'll be good. Like I'll get it and get my degree. But when I told them, they were like, what are you doing just applying to this uh, school or these schools? It's, no, you should be applying towards uh, the UC Berkeley's, the UC San Diego's, the Stanford's and all the top schools, right? And that, it helps to believe in yourself. It actually is a great deal too, if when someone believes in you. So that was kind of like a turning point too, because like, oh, I guess I should apply to those. I guess I can do it, right? And it was like, oh. And then I got into one of those schools and then that probably changed the trajectory in my career path too. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten a structural engineering position if I didn't go to those. So yeah, the importance of mentors and and giving back too. You should be aware of it, right? And throughout your career, being mentored and, and giving back as well.
1: Yours planted that seed and gave you that little bit of encouragement. And then it just, it changed the trajectory of where you spent, you know, another couple of years. So
0: yeah, I still remember it.
1: What about your second lesson learned?
0: This is more once you start your career and you got your stuff going. For me, knowing how you work as an individual and and what you value in your career, I think it's different for everybody, but it's also changes throughout your career. That's what I've noticed. And it's really helped me focus in on what I want to achieve throughout my career and some of the goals that I can set for myself to make myself a better engineer.
1: Do you have a like a specific goal you could like tell us about? Like, How did you set it? How did you plan for it? All the things.
0: Yeah, let me take you some. through some uh, career progression. So early on in my career, right? It was, oh, I really want to get good technically. So I got all the resources and learned a lot. Got my PE super quick and was looking to take on bigger and better projects. And how I did that, I was more ambitious then, right? Eager as a young engineer to, I guess, prove myself, right? But for me, that as a younger engineer, I could do that because it was like a new city. It's my new position. I'm excited to do it and I'd voluntarily work on the projects. I'd stay late after work voluntarily because I wanted to put in more work and I had no issues with it. My superiors would tell me to, to go home, but oh, I can do this or do you need help? And so for me, as a, as a young engineer, I, I was really eager. And willing to learn and, and put in those hours, put in those extra hours to be better at engineering and my craft. I think I got there and kept doing that technically too. Then I then became project manager and then I needed new skills. So for me right now, getting good super technically, not a high priority right now, just because while I, I took my SE, I just that was like the lots of technical stuff. So now auditing myself in terms of my values. So what do I value now? Uh, do I want to become a principal? Uh, maybe, but you know, not like a super end goal, I guess. So for me, it, it's looking at skills base. So I think I'm pretty good and well-rounded technically. I can still improve on projects and whatnot, and I'll gain experience from there. But what can make me a better overall engineer? And right now for me, it's Communication, uh, better networking, going to more networking events, business development. That's the thing that I know I'm not very good at, but it's something that I can improve upon. For me, I made it a goal to, okay, I'll go to X amount of events this month and I'll force myself to you know go talk to new people, go ask questions and go network more and be more comfortable with it. So for me, that's kind of like a skills-based thing that I'm working on currently. That, again, for me, it's a a new challenge. It's something I know I'm not good at, but I can improve upon.
1: I don't know that I would ever say, like, I'm not good at that. I would say maybe you're just not as comfortable at that. You know, it's the same thing with, like, public speaking. It's like the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. So I think the more you do it, the less it will feel like work. Because you will actually, I mean, and again, also the more you do it, you're going to start seeing, you know, the same people, you're going to develop some relationships, you'll realize like your common grounds, things you have that are easy to talk about. And I would imagine it'll just get easier and easier for you.
0: Yeah, you are completely right. I think uh, the more I've been doing it, it's becoming easier. You'll see more and more people that become familiar. So it's kind of like you're seeing old friends and even with new people, then you kind of get a gist on how to break the ice more, right? And yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable and still, but it's become easier. It's, you know, not natural, but like you are saying, public speaking, it may not be natural, but everybody can do it at some competent level. <laughs> it just takes practice.
1: Yeah. So just keep practicing, right? So yeah, I think setting those goals for yourself, like you know, I'm going to do three this month, I'm going to do four next month, I'm going to do whatever, you know, whatever your goal is, but like, having that as a goal. And you know, the other thing too, is I would say, like, you could be picky on the things that you pick, right? You don't have to just go to the only three things that are available. And I do think like some of them are in environments that are easier to sort of casually network in, and some of the environments just set themselves up for that better than others
0: environments, that's a good one, too, in terms of maybe what organization you feel comfortable in, in terms of the people, too. And relating that back to work, too, When uh, in your work goals, when you're evaluating your career path, it's what type of environment do you want to work in? Uh, Do you care? How many hours do you want to work? What's the flexibility? And I think those are important too, because yeah, salaries are good, but what's the work environment? Or who are the people that you're going to be working with? Do you like that type of work? It's not all about salary. So it's, you got to consider all of it.
1: Lots of things play into it. You have to definitely be, yeah, curious about the culture and like different things come into play for sure.
0: And what was your last lesson for us, Rachel?
1: The last lesson I think that I've learned throughout my career is that, like, it's okay to ask questions. Like, I think there's an art to it. And I think I spent a lot of my younger, earlier days maybe a little bit intimidated to ask or like just hesitant. I don't know, just hesitant to ask questions because I would be sitting there thinking, like, surely I'm the only person that's not understanding this 100%. And I think that as I've gotten further along in my career i realized that a lot of people feel like that and so just having one person ask the question really helps to enlighten like the entire room because more likely than not if you're not fully in tune with what someone is presenting or saying or whatever there's probably other people as well so being proactive and asking those questions, being confident enough to ask those questions, knowing that just because you're asking the question doesn't mean you're dumb. You really like kind of just open up a lot of opportunity for other people in the room. And I would encourage people to ask questions. And you know, it's something that I still am actively working on because I oftentimes still find myself not asking. And then, you know, within a minute or so, somebody else asked the same question that I've had in my head for, you know, a minute. So, I know I'm not alone, and I think that a lot of people probably feel like that, and I would say ask questions.
0: Younger engineers, interns, I get scared where they're not asking questions because it's, they're scared, right? Because, oh, I guess I should probably notice, but I have no idea what this is. For us, communicating that, we know you're not going to know anything, so please ask us questions when you get scared. Making it as inviting as possible to have them ask those questions, because yeah, it's so important. And not only that, even going back to your first lesson about, about networking, it's a good way to network with your managers. Uh, when you're asking them questions frequently, you get to know how they think, they get to mentor you by asking those questions, and then you build a better relationship with them. And that's a great way to to network and increase your knowledge at the same time. So yeah, definitely helps.
1: I think the other thing to keep in mind too, is that like on the receiving end of that question, right? It helps the person that's receiving the question to be a better communicator, right? Because like when they get that question, they're kind of like, Oh, okay, I did gloss over that. So like let me circle back here and re-explain that. I mean, I even sometimes have that, like, currently in my current role, I'll get a call from a customer and they're asking about something and I'll explain it to them in a way that I think they understand under a lot of other things. And then like maybe I'll dive a little deeper with like another. Inquiry as to where they are at in their career. And it'll lead to a whole other discussion where I'm able to like give them the backstory that they didn't know that I sort of maybe just assumed they did. Asking the questions is really important. I think it helps everybody else that's there in the room listening. And I think it also helps the presenter, the teacher, or whoever, you know, the meeting lead, whatever is going on. I think it helps them to really improve their communication skills. So I think it's a win win your third and final lesson that you would say is like the top three so what's your third my third
0: and final lesson it may sound typical but it's communication skills and for me communications a lot right so background on myself on where i'm coming from as you know in high school college i was very shy very introverted one of the quietest people in the room and would never raise my hand in class. And I'd sit in the back. And then in college, though, I took a public communications class, a technical communications class. It was was essentially public speaking. And that changed the course of all of my life and skills just because that course taught me that communication, it is a skill. I've always thought of myself as, you know, I'm never going to be good at that. Yeah, my first speech, you know, my hands were sweating. Uh, I was panicking. I was anxious. I couldn't even hear what the presenters before me were speaking because I was so so nervous and my hands were shaking. i go up there. It was terrible. I was stumbling over my words. I was stuttering. I couldn't look at the audience. And after that, you know what? I survived. And they gave me some tips and everyone was really encouraging. We all supported each other in getting better. And then that taught me And as I kept doing it, I kept getting better and better, even small increments. So that taught me that you can't use the excuse that you're an introvert or you don't like talking to people or you're shy. After that, it was, oh, it's just a skill. It's just like driving. You can learn it, even though you might not be an F1 formula car racer, you can still be good enough. And for me, that's kind of changed my mindset on all that things. And I've just seen how important it is in an engineering career, whether it's communication with your peers, your teammates, Or even with public speaking, I think that's very underrated if people haven't taken a public speaking class, especially if they're not good at it, because you're going to be public speaking all the time because one-on-one, one-on-two, or you're talking to your team, that's all of that is public speaking. It's just the number of people. So you're doing all the time. And to me, it's kind of crazy that people don't want to improve upon that skill. I think that's one of the things that... I knew that I could improve upon. And it's helped because that helped me with networking and helped me with talking to people and communicating my thoughts and teaching as well, teaching new engineers. So it's definitely something that I know that the best engineers, they're not just good technically, they're great communicators as well. If they can't communicate their designs in a simple way, then it's not going to be going anywhere.
1: If you're outside of the structural engineering world, like you don't Maybe understand like what we do, right? We have such a critical role in our built environment and communities and keeping people safe. If we don't have the ability to communicate that to people that are not engineers, it makes us lose our significance. I feel like, you know, so like there has to be those people that can take a technical topic and Communicate it in a way that the masses can understand. And then at the same way, like within our career, you have to take that technical topic and be able to explain it to technical people, right? So even like that higher level of technical language, but public speaking is so important. And I was never like terribly scared of it, but I know like coming to Simpson, that was like a shocker to me because I have lots of scenarios where I have to public speak. (laughs) And I mean, even know we were just talking about this, too, with like networking and like all that. It's like, you know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. I'm almost 13 years in here. And I mean, hands down, still, before I go up and talk in front of a group of people, I have to like internally remind myself, take deep breaths, Rachel. Don't forget to breathe. It doesn't matter like how many times I've done it. I still have to remind myself to do that. So It's just one of those things you you just have to keep practicing. There is a, um, I've never done it, but um, in case somebody is interested, I've heard, um, have you heard of Toastmasters?
0: Toastmasters, I heard that's great. I've been thinking about it. I haven't done it. I've looked into it. I had uh, colleagues that have done it and it's, I know our former CEO was really into Toastmasters and you can see why because he can communicate really well. So you can see why.
1: I definitely think it would be something worth checking out. I've heard only great things about it also, but also no firsthand experience. But yeah, I've heard that it just can really, really, really help people improve their public speaking skills. And I don't know, maybe it's worth checking out.
0: Yeah, they're everywhere too. I'm pretty sure if you're somewhere in the U.S., they have a Toastmasters nearby.
1: Is there a specific example you have of how The lengths that you've gone to to improve your communication skills, can you give an example of how it's changed something for you or presented, like, opened up opportunities or done something like that? Do you have any specific examples?
0: So I started, like, from zero. So back in college when I first started trying to improve that, it was just me raising my hand and being loud enough so the class can hear me. For me, that was a huge step because wherever, if I would ask a question or they would call on me, I'd be that person in the room, please speak up. It's like, uh, that's how quiet I was. And then again, your voice is an instrument. How can you increase your voice volume? Well, you can speak from your throat, you can speak from your chest, but you know, all the singers and all the speakers, when they're presenting, they speak from the diaphragm. Again, that's a skill. Everyone knows how to use their diaphragm. You do it when you laugh, like really hard, you're using your diaphragm. So how to speak louder? Oh, you use your diaphragm. That's one technique. And then that builds your confidence. Oh, now I can speak better at interviews because your voice says a lot about you and what your state of mind is. So if you can project yourself as in interviews and you're friendly and you have a friendly tone, changing your tones too. And getting into like the nuances of your voice, I thought that was pretty cool because that's just another skill that you can tweak to get your message across. Cause I think that's so important. It's Like what you were mentioning before and my first lesson, you know, being really good technically. If you're like a 10 out of 10 technically, you're presenting to maybe a client that's not really technical. You're 10 out of 10 technically, but your communications are a 2 out of 10. What is your client or whoever you're talking to going to think of you? They're not going to think you're competent. They're going to, because your communication skills suck. It's You're not going to come off as smart or whatnot. You might be coming off as, to the client as, I can't communicate with this person. They're in a whole nother world. I don't know what they're talking about. So whatever it is you're trying to pitch me or suggest to me, I'm just going to say no, because you didn't communicate it in a language that they can understand. And we're dealing with that every day. You deal with that every day too. So it's knowing that improving your communication skills. If no one can understand you, no one's going to support you. And it's so important.
1: That's like a perfect example. You're 10 out of 10 and you're two out of 10. It's because I mean, at that point, all of that technical expertise that you've managed to like learn and capture, it's wasted. It's such a shame.
0: You can't escape it. Even if you're a PhD student, you need to sell someone on your funding. Why is your research project important? You're just going into the numbers and you're not simplifying it down to the people that have money are going to fund your research project. You're not going to get any money because you can't communicate the importance of it in a simple way. So I don't think you can escape it if you're an engineer. So you might as well be open to it.
1: I give you lots of accolades, Matt, because um, obviously I didn't know you in high school, but I would have never thought that you were the kid that nobody could hear and you didn't raise your hand. So the work that you've put in is totally paying off. So good job on that.
0: Thanks. It's just a mindset shift. Just to improve your driving. You can drive <laughs> of it.
1: Keep practicing because, yeah, you're doing great. I would never known. So excellent job. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There, you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as a link to toastmasters.org, like we mentioned during the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors.
0: Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you wanna ask your staff but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.